We are continuing with our series, which is Jesus the Game Changer. And my topic today is, from, uh, is based on a story in Luke chapter 10. And the title is Stressed to Devoted. So let's very quickly look at the story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened a home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So we, here we see Jesus' encounter with two sisters. And we see their different responses, their different approaches, and how Jesus graciously shows them the, what is the best. So there is a valuable lesson here for all of us. So first of all, let's look at the two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary... They lived with their brother Lazarus. So there's a little map there. Um, in, a, in the village called Bethany. I don't know whether you can see Bethany. You can see Galilee at the top, Judea at the bottom. And you can see Jerusalem there just above where it's written Judea. And Bethany is to the right-hand side. It's to the east of Jerusalem. It's 1.5 miles, they say, from Jerusalem. And um, so Jesus has been you know, crisscrossing this region for a little while. And in the previous chapters in Luke, we find that Jesus was going through Samaria, coming down through Samaria, where he encountered opposition from Samaritans. And now he's on his way to Jerusalem, but he's passing through the village of Bethany, which is where the sisters encounter uh, Jesus. And Martha welcomes Jesus into the house. And we we know this because there are two other references to Martha and Mary in the book of John. And... um, so let's, um, let's look at the story in a, in a bit more detail. Now, we don't know whether uh, Martha and Mary have met Jesus before, uh, or this is the first encounter with Jesus. It's possible that it's the first encounter with Jesus, because in the story we find um, uh, Jesus going to this village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So this could have been the first encounter. We don't know. We don't know it. And Jesus probably was well known in that region by this time because he's been ministering you know, through this region. He's been teaching about the kingdom of God. He's been doing various miracles. And people have been, uh, in the Jewish people are under, are under oppression. They are under Roman rule. And um, they you know, are thinking, this is the time for the Messiah to come. So they're all waiting for the Messiah to come. And they are wondering, many people are wondering whether Jesus is the Messiah. And uh, that's the, the backdrop to our story. Now let's look at the sisters, the two sisters, Martha. First, first of all, she's a remarkable woman. A remarkable woman, okay? She's clearly a leader. People think that she must have been the eldest sibling of the three. And uh, she was a leader. She was outgoing, she had an impulsive personality like Peter, and she goes in and takes the initiative of inviting Jesus into the house. 
And then we see that, um, you know, uh, she takes stock of the situation. She needs that Jesus has been traveling. He needs to be fed. And she then decides to prepare a meal for Jesus. And uh, we find that Martha operated within tradition. Now, the tradition in those days was the woman would be in the kitchen, prepare the meal, whereas the men would be in the living room doing the important things, important matters, discussing, and, you know, all of those things. And... uh, (laughs) That's not relevant these days. (laughs) And uh, so we can see that um, she has decided in her own mind, this will be the menu, okay? And uh, she had probably a short time to prepare this. And um, probably there were no servants. And she was hoping that her sister Mary would help her. And um, she had all these things to do. And she was clearly stressed out and distracted by, by, the, by all the preparations that had to be made. And to a horror, she discovers that Mary, her sister, instead of helping her, has broken tradition and is sitting in the living room. You know, chatting with Jesus, with the men, okay? And uh, so the stress levels are going up big time. And um, so normally when this happens, people are a bit discreet. So you stand behind the door or behind the curtain and say, psst, 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 trying to get the attention. Or say, Mary, Mary. Or maybe take a little stone or something and (laughs) aim for Mary's head. You know, but no, she's not like that. She is bold. She doesn't hesitate to complain. She goes straight to the top, okay? She doesn't go there and say, Mary, come and help me. She just goes to the chief guest and says, Jesus, look, don't you care? I'm preparing a meal for you and I'm all alone. I'm doing this by myself. Can't you ask my sister Mary to come and help me in the kitchen? So we see that she is remarkable. She has lots of energy. She has got a good heart. She is hospitable, but she's clearly stressed out and frustrated. So some of the characters of Martha are very good, but we are focusing on the stressful character part of of Martha here. What about Mary? Mary, on the other hand, is meek and gentle, and uh, she also ignores tradition. She is not in the kitchen. She is in the living room with Jesus. She is clearly captivated by Jesus and all that Jesus is, is talking. And she is thinking, oh, is this the Messiah? She is encountering the Messiah. And uh, so she chooses to spend time listening to and getting to know this Jesus. And what about Jesus? The third character in the story. So Jesus, as usual, is talking about the kingdom of God, about his father, and about the good news he's bringing into this world. And when Martha complains, he does not rebuke her. He knows her heart. He knows her good spirit. 
but he does not agree to follow her instructions to send Mary back into the kitchen. And he says, he gently instructs her and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In summary, he's telling her, Martha, look, Martha, you are trying to give me food, but don't you see that I have food here for you and for everyone in this room? In John 6, 27, Jesus says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed a seal of approval. In John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never go thirsty. Martha has never heard this before. No one has ever heard this teaching before. And, um, uh, and previously, it was all about following a list of rules and regulations. But Jesus brings in a new teaching. He says, it's not about rules and regulations. It's all about me. Come to me. Come to me. And many people ask, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, Come to me. Come and be with me. Come and walk with me. Come and hold my hand. You see, there is so much longing within us. We are hungry for something to fill us. And we are thirsty. Our thirst cannot be quenched. And we are going out into the world and you know, trying to put stuff into our life, thinking that will fill our longing. But that doesn't. It creates more hunger. It creates more thirst. But Jesus is saying, if you come and have me in your life, then I will quench your thirst and you will be filled. And Jesus says, if you have me in my life, you have passed over from death to life. If you have me in my life, you will never die. Jesus is a real deal. Okay? He is a real deal. And Mary has made the right choice. And Jesus says, I'm not going to take this away from her, Martha. I'm not going to take this away from her. And he's not going to take this away from any one of you. Hallelujah. So what is the lesson? The lesson is this. Though most of us here are believers, okay, we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have given our life to him. You know, some of us have got the Martha character in us, and some have got the Mary character in us, and maybe some have got bits of both, okay? But there's nothing to feel bad about it. There's nothing to feel bad about it. Don't condemn yourself, okay? Don't feel condemned. And uh, if Jesus was here, and he's here through his Holy Spirit, he's here, his response to each one, was, each one of us would be the same as his response to Martha. He would say, Look, I appreciate all your energy. I appreciate your earnestness, your eagerness, all the good stuff that you have. But I would like you to come and spend some time with me, one-on-one. -on -one. I would like you to come and speak to me. I would like you know, to hear from you what you think about me. 
I would like to say a few things to you. I want to share my love with you. And I want to show you how much I love you and care for you. And this is devotion. Spending time with him is devotion. And that is a character that we see in Mary. So let's look at what are the benefits of devotion. What are the benefits of spending time with Jesus, of getting to know Jesus? But before that, let's look at the end result of a stressed life. The end result of a stressed life is frustration, as we see in Martha, anger, disappointment. You're clearly overworked, fatigued, helpless, and then you self-pity. Okay? You feel that you've got a bad deal. Okay? Instead of the real deal, you get a bad deal. But what are the benefits of devotion? Let me tell you an example from my life. And um, so I have mentioned this sometime in the past. This is something that happened in my life when I first came to this country in October 1995. So I came here to work in this country and I was, you know, I had a great interest in traveling and, you know, seeing the place. So I had to come and clear an exam called the PLAB test. And um, so I came here, I just got on the bus, you know, I got on the plane, came here, had my books with me, and uh, I didn't know clearly, I had no clue about the test. I just thought I'll come here, I came a month in advance, I'll come here and find out about the test. And so I came here and uh, on the plane, you know, the, the, I met two other doctors who were coming for the test. They asked me, the first thing they asked me is, how many kilos of rice have you got? I'm thinking, I asked him, how many kilos have you got? They said, 10. I said, I have none. And why, do I, why should I bring rice to the UK? He said, because you don't pass the PLAB test on the first attempt, so we have to survive. Okay, I'm thinking, wow. So stress levels are going up a little bit. And then I come to the house that I'm living with so many other candidates. They are taking the exam as well. And the next day I ask them, where is the shop? I need to go to the shop. I need to buy a shaving cream and a soap and, you know, a shaving blade and everything. And they said, they're looking at me like this. And, you know, fly could have gone in easily, you know. <laughs> and uh, for a minute, and after that, they're asking, are you telling us that you didn't bring paste with you? I said, how many have you bought? Four or five. I said, well, why? They said, we are not going to pass PLAB on the first attempt. Stress levels are going up. I'm sinking now, I'm sinking. And uh, so I go there to the shop, get this, and then I go to the phone booth and make a call to Sunu and saying, Sunu, please pray for me. It looks like the exam is tough, you know? And then, as, my, as is my routine, I spend time, an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, you know, studying the Word of God, okay? So I open my Bible and study the Word and pray, and they're thinking, have you come here to do an exam on the Bible or the PLAB? I said, no, no, I've come to do the PLAB test, but this is my routine, this is what I do. And they are thinking, by now, he's a lost case. Okay? <laughs> so I'm isolated, and then on Sunday, I'm going to the church. Okay? So I've told Sunu, I said, you know, tell everyone, you know, it's going to be very difficult, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. And uh, Sunu said, okay, okay, we'll pray. And I'm, you know, and uh, I go to the church. I go to the church, I had to walk about one and a half to two miles to go to the church, no transport, but it's fine, you know. And it was cold as well, October, you know. And I'm coming from 
30 plus degrees. Can you imagine, you know? And I didn't have good protection or anything, but I go. And as I'm entering the building, this is the song. Let the weak say, I am strong. I won't sing it for your benefit, all right? <laughs> Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. I was sinking. But when I came to God, I was lifted up. I was lifted up. And every time I spend time with God, I am lifted up more and more. I feel the presence of God. I feel his energy flowing through me. I feel his wisdom going through me. And I start from page one of the book. And then I go to the last page. So two books that I have to study and some other questions. And the last week of the exam, everyone is shaking like a leaf. Okay? <clears throat> and they're looking at me and saying, Ensign, you're not shaking. You're not tense. For the first time, they say, it must be your faith. Okay? So go through the exam. After every test, I'm sure I'll pass. They're not sure. They're only talking about the negatives. Oh, I got this wrong. I got that wrong. Yeah, you know. and, um, and then, you know, um, uh, the, the result day, everyone knows the time the, the post is going to come. But I, as my usual, I go to shave and have my shower. So I was in the shower. The post came. And they're knocking on my door. Ensign, the post has come. Can we open your envelope? <laughs> They want to know whether I have passed or failed. <clears throat> I said, if you want to, then do, do open it. And then after a minute, they said, Ensign, you have passed. Yeah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you see, this is what happens when we are devoted to God, when we spend time with God. You know? He lifts us up. His energy flows through us. You know, when we go through the waters, it will not sweep over us. When we go through the fire, we will not be set ablaze. Because the God of Israel, our Father, our Savior, He is with us. He appreciates our energy, but when we connect with Him, it is multiplied many times over. <clears throat> In Isaiah chapter 40, you know, God says to those who complain, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Praise the Lord. This is our God. This is the God who is with us, who holds our hands, who is with us 24-7, who is within us, who watches over us. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to us. Don't focus on other things. Jesus didn't come, come to give us a house or some clothes or a car. He has come to give us life. And he says, if you find me, all these things will be given to you as well. Your needs will be met. Hallelujah. So when we come to Jesus... We realize we are never truly alone or without help. 
We experience that His grace is sufficient for all that we face. We are relaxed, not stressed out. There's an inner peace and strength that we never knew before. We are stable. We are not shaken. You know, when we go through situations, we can be shaken, shivering like a leaf. But no, we are stable. We have victory. We win because of him. Jesus is the game changer. He's all the difference in our life. My day-to-day walk with God, I'm a busy man, all right? A busy man. And uh, sometimes people ask me the things I do, and I give them a list of the things I do, and I see their head spinning. And even my head starts spinning as well when I talk about the things I do. And there are several people here, when I hear the things that you do, my head spins as well. And, uh, but I'm not trying to boast here about the things I do, and I'm not promoting busyness or workaholism, but what I'm trying to say is, how do we cope with our workload, daily workload? How do we do that? Okay. You see, work is not the issue. We've had a teaching on work before, I think, through the Proverb series. Work is not the issue. Work is something that God has designed. Jesus said, my father is at work and I am at work too. Work is something that is there. Work is not the issue. But the issue is, how do I prioritize my time? You see, I have a close relationship with God. So I spend time with him in the morning. And every morning, me and Sunni, we hold our hands and we pray, ask God's help, you know, to meet the needs of the day. And um, the other day we were holding hands and, you know, praying, God, you are the greatest father. There's no one like you. Give us the grace to be a good parent like you, a good father, a good mother, and a good husband, a good wife. And, you know, to be a, a, a good good Christian. And uh, not only in the morning, but several times during the day, I have these, you know, times with God, you know, asking God for his help, for his direction, just thanking him for, for what he is to me. And uh, I make sure, you know, with God's help, God helps me to constantly review my workload and I make sure I don't ignore the most important things in my life which is being in close relationship to him, which is being in close relationship to my dear wife, Sunu, with my children, with anyone who needs help, spiritual help. I, we never deny. A home is always open. You see, anyone needing help in spiritual matters, you know, they are more than welcome to come to our house. We invite them. Or we have happy to come to your house. And if you come to our house, you get the real deal, which is Jesus. And also, you get a meal deal as well, because my wife, Sunu, is a good cook. So the real deal and the meal deal, okay? So this is, this is our life, okay? And work is there, but we always give Jesus and the kingdom of God priority in our life. So prioritizing is another important benefit of devotion. And then, let's look at end result of Mary's devotion. We see that in John 12. You know, she wants to express her love 
and adoration and worship to Jesus. And uh, she comes <clears throat> and she has this expensive perfume in an in a, in a alabaster jar. And they say this perfume is worth a man's uh, a, a year's wages. Okay? So which could be, in today's terms, could be something like 20,000 pounds or 25,000 pounds. Imagine. She takes that and breaks it, pours it on Jesus' feet, and wipes it with her hair. Okay? It's a public declaration of her love for Jesus. Now, this is worship, but this is also mission. Okay? We think worship is in church, or worship is at home. Okay? Worship is not limited to a place or time. It's 24-7. It is private, and at the same time, it's public. It does not always mean singing or prayer, but also includes declaring his name with grace and propriety. We don't push the name of Jesus down someone's throat. No, we do it with grace and propriety, okay? And we are ready for this, we are ready. Sometimes we get motivated to do mission and set a date and time, and it appears quite unnatural. But the more devoted you are, it appears more natural, like Jesus, look at Jesus. Wherever he goes, he's always talking about the kingdom. He's always talking about his father and upholding the name of his father. And... Uh, <clears throat> That is my experience as well. Because I spend time with God, anytime anyone, I encounter anyone, be it on a plane, a train, a boat, you know, I always find time to talk about God. And yesterday, I met this young man, you know, I won't say his name, I've asked his permission. And uh, he's, um, uh, so I meet him and I ask him, are you a Christian? And he says, no, I'm a seeker. And then somehow we get into talking. And for the next half an hour, three quarters of an hour, we are discussing the Bible. And he said, thank you for giving me a condensed version of the Bible. <laughs> and I gave him all the resources. I gave him a number and said, do contact me, come in, you know. And, uh, you know, that's great. That's fantastic. Okay. You see, many of us now are are trying to find out if we are GDPR ready, okay? <laughs> GDPR ready is a big thing. But now I'm asking you, church, are you mission 24-7 ready? Okay? Mission 24-7, all right? That is a real deal, okay? That's a real deal. Uncle Patrick was mission 24-7 ready. Praise God. For Sunu and me, this is a way of life. We don't have set times to do mission. It's part of our life, part of our life. And that's natural, not unnatural. So, finally, transformation from Martha to Mary is key in Christian life, which is from a stressful, you know, defeatist sort of situation to one that is devoted to God. How do we do this? <clears throat> you see, Work never finishes. Have you realized? Work never finishes. Work will always be there. I'm not encouraging laziness here because we've had a teaching on laziness previously. Okay? What I'm saying is that those of us who are 
thinking about work, work, work all the time. Slow down a little bit. Slow down. Take a break. Spend some time with God. And come to God on a regular basis. Spend some time with him, getting to know him. Because he's the real deal. He's the game changer. And then he will allow us to prioritize. He will give us the energy and the grace and the stamina to do the work that we have to do. Hallelujah. Let's stand up and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us once again of your great love for each one of us. Lord, you're not a God who is far away. You're a God who is with us. You're a God who is in the center of our life. You're a God who is in our life 24-7. Lord, you are the one who is devoted to us 24-7. You love us, Lord. Lord, you sing over us. You sing your love songs over us 24-7. Lord, my prayer this morning for our church, for everyone here, is that, Lord, open our eyes and the eyes of our heart to see you, Lord, to see you, to recognize your presence. Lord, you are there. Give us the grace to recognize your presence, your love. And Father, to hold your hand, Holy Spirit, to hold your hand, to walk with you. And Lord, to know the joy of Christian life as you enable us to live this life. Lord, we understand there are exciting things in this world like football and England going into the semis. But Lord, what you bring is much more than that. Lord, you fill us to the full. You make us joy to be complete. And your life is full in you. And God, as we spend time with you, as we walk, Lord, as we go through life in this town with you, cause your river of life to flow out of us. Lord, when we go with you, let life be found in lifeless places. Lord, let light be found in areas of darkness. Let sparks of of life, Lord, come into being. Lord, wherever you are, wherever we go with you, let there be life and let there be light and let your kingdom be brought in, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray there'll be a great miracle in this neighborhood. There'll be a great revival. Lord, we sang about revival. Let there be a revival in this neighborhood. Let there be a revival in this town, Lord, we pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, cause your love and your grace to flow through us. Amen.